Welcome to Politics and Right. My name is Egberto Willis, your host. We are going to have a great show for you today here on KPFT 90.1 FM Houston. What is the show going to be about today? Newly elected Harris County Democratic Party Chairman Mike Doyle speaks, Save the Texas Observer. Uh, Mike Doyle, Texas's new Harris County Democratic Party Chair, discusses where he's taken the party. And likewise, we must save the Texas Observer, the progressive magazine of Texas, from being shuttered. Before we get into uh, to Mike, we're going to first talk to the Texas Observer. But beforehand, I just want Mike to tell our audience hello. How are you doing, Mike? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for being here, and I'm glad to be in the offices here on Caroline. It's been a long time since I was over on Lovett. Yeah, that, we're glad to be here now. But anyway, it's important that, that people in Harris County understand where it is the party is going, where it is, or, or how they can present or provide an input. But anyway, we have on line with us right now, Gabriel Arana, the executive editor of the Texas Observer. Let's talk. Uh, bring, bring him on, please. There we go. All okay. right, Gabriel, how are you doing today? Uh, good. I'm the editor in chief, but um, more titles the better. Hey, well, you, you know, you know, you know. I always kind of twist those words out somehow. Anyway, look here. I woke up to an email a few days ago that spoke about uh, the the home of Molly Ivins and all the great progressive Texas writers disappearing. Tell me about what's going on, sir. Yeah. So on. Um, <clears throat> On Sunday, we found out from the uh, Texas Tribune that um, we were all losing our jobs and that the board had decided to shut down the magazine. Um, they talked to the press before they told us the thing. We had been, um, you know, asking for information for weeks. We'd been offering to help with fundraising and uh, total ra radio silence. So, you know, this came in as uh, a total surprise and a shock to everyone, and you know, as, it, as soon as it happened, we um, we decided to get to work and raise money so we wouldn't have to shut down. Gabriel, I need to really verify. I mean, I, I want to see if I understood what you said. Did you tell me that you guys did not hear about the fate of the, the, this magazine, Molly Ivan's Home, the home of great writers who challenged Johnson and all the presidents, etc.? You didn't hear about that until you read it in the Tribune, the Texas Tribune? Yep, that's right. Uh, it's crazy. You would think that um, the uh, the board would want to work with us, and we, um, yeah, and and um, <laughs> involve us in any decision in, uh, involving shutting down the publication. But no, total surprise. We found out from another outlet. Um, yeah, which is you know really unfortunate. Well, it's also to me, uh, it's disrespectful. First of all, tell me, tell tell our audience a bit of who and what is the Texas Observer. So the Texas Observer is a nonprofit uh, media outlet, uh, progressive publication. Uh, it's been around since 1952. Um, we're 69. We're about to hit 70. Um, you know, I wouldn't be able to name all of the illustrious uh, alums who have come through here. Um, you know, and we try to hold um, um, we try to hold uh, politicians uh, accountable. And you know, the Texas Observer is indispensable, uh, as they say. Uh, how Texas goes, so goes the nation. Uh, the truth is that women are under attack here, trans people, queer people, trans kids, drag queens. Everybody who isn't rich, white, Bible thumper is being run out of the state. And uh, Texas needs the Texas Observer. And 
democracy and the free press need the Texas Observer. There's no doubt about it. I tell you, we get a lot of our articles and our uh, the, the the many of the issues of the day because you guys work so hard to go to places where most of us bloggers and and hosts cannot really go to. So you guys are are uh, utterly important to all of us. Now I know that um, you know a lot of times people say, including here at our station, people say, you know, you know, if people want want you, they're going to invest in you. And what we've noticed uh, is as soon as people started to see that there's a possibility that they may lose you, that uh, you started to raise some, you started to raise some some good money. How is that going? Uh, it's going great. I mean, we originally uh, wanted. Um you know, to raise uh, 200k to avoid the layoffs, people keep uh, donating. Um, we continue to need money, so uh, don't don't think we're done. Um, and um, <clears throat> yeah, so the, um, the the staff got to work um, uh, raising money, and it really shows how much um, how much the public cares, how much uh, we need the Texas Observer, um, and how much people you know care about a free um, independent press. Uh, as I mentioned, we're a nonprofit. We don't get corporate donations. We don't have, you know, we're not some part of a, um, you know, big conglomerate. Um, we're a shoestring operation, and we punch above our weight. Um, Constantly. And, you know, it's obvious. As, as, as soon as we let out the news, um, you know, people uh, responded both with their voices on social media and, you know, calling the staff and then, you know, voted with their wallets and, you know, the, the, the amount of the money, uh, the, the total amount of money, um, I, I shouldn't say the total amount of money doesn't matter, but, you know, what matters is, um, you know, people giving what they can, even if it's a dollar, you know, um, it's uh, people's support and their love for the observer that, that counts, and that's what we've really activated. And, I mean, it's been humbling and, you know, an, an honor to see, you know, how many people love the Observer and don't want to see it um, go away. Well, let me just tell you, uh, the Obser- the Texas Observer is indispensable and all over on websites from the, I can tell you, the websites from the blogger space, they will be out there supporting your cause to make sure that uh, you stay alive. We we will not let you guys go. How is it going with the board? Are the board going to reconsider? Or are you guys going to reconstitute as the Texas Observer independent of that board? Uh, we're waiting to hear what they've decided. Um, you know, we've asked all the people who voted to shutter the publication to resign um, and let the people on the board who wanted to keep going um, you know, join with us and, um, you know, uh, try to keep the, uh, the Texas Observer going. We, um, we've asked for them to get back to us by the uh, close of business today. So, you know, we're um, having internal discussions about what, you know, we could do um, based on whatever decision. But, you know, um, we're, we're, we're waiting to see what they say, and then we'll, you know, we'll, uh, we'll decide and say what we one, say. But we're dedicated to saving the publication. One last question. If uh, if they decide not to do anything, do you have the option to keep the same name, reconstitute yourself with the same employees, and just go ahead and build a nonprofit around that new entity? Um, uh, we, yeah, we don't um, have ownership of the name. That's why we, you know, are asking the board to let you know at least a staffer on the board. Um, yeah, not not sure what we um, what we're gonna do. I mean, the Texas Observer isn't, you know. Isn't a name? It's a or a piece of paper. It's, it's the you family. Know, as I yeah, tweeted earlier. Yeah, it's the people who work here now, the people who've worked here before, and it's an idea in the minds of our readers who who love us and don't want to see us go away. 
Hey, this is Mike Doyle. If I can jump in, you know, I've been a subscriber for decades and, and have seen so much of well, the journalism. Uh, and one of the things that kind of steps out for me, knowing how well it's done, is what are the folks doing now? Is this how many great stories have been inter interrupted or, or, you know, halfway done or halfway ready to roll out that you need to share, especially during what's going on right now in the legislature? Yeah, I mean, we have um, already, uh, to go to press, an issue of the magazine about uh, attacks on women's health care. Um, and, you know, the, the staff is still working, you know, trying to raise money, but still working at the same time and st still doing, still publishing, um, you know, daily, um, still doing um, the work that we believe is uh, important and standing up for social justice. And, um, yeah, I'm... Uh, uh, we're uh, doing the exact same thing we've done, um, you know, the whole time we've 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 been here, and, and trying to raise money, but also um, continuing the work, and um, yeah, hoping we uh, can get this issue of the magazine. Out. Excellent. Anything else you want to ask, Chairman? Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, it, you know, it's so many of the great stories that have come out, uh, uh, particularly, are so important during the legislature, and you know, my, certainly the hope is of every progressive, every Democrat, really every thinking person that wants to see what's going on in depth in the state is looking for y'all to succeed. And uh, uh, from the end of the day to the beginning of the day, your work is greatly appreciated. Um, well, thank you so much. That, uh, that means um, so much. And uh, keep, keep reading, keep subscribing. Uh, Absolutely. That is a Texas fan. observer. Gabriel, you have some final words you want before we close this segment? Um, just that I'm, um, you know, really proud of the staff's work. Um, really proud of the money we've raised. And, you know, I'd ask your uh, listeners to go to our uh, GoFundMe or our account on Twitter and, um, and show your support. And, um, and thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so kindly. When I saw what was happening, I said, you know, that's what we use our, our voices for. So thank you so kindly for you guys being who you have been. Molly Ivins and all the greats that there, you yourself, and I read some of your articles after I found you. You guys are simply the best. We need you here in Texas, okay? Oh, thank you very much. So appreciate your support. Have a wonderful day. All right, folks. Harris County, Texas is one of the bellwether counties in the country. Over the last several election cycles, it has lived up to its expectations. Even in last year's difficult election cycle, where obstacles uh, from the state were in full vogue, the county proved that, in fact, the path to a blue Texas has its genesis in Harris County. The Harris County Democratic Party leadership has changed. A few weeks ago, the precinct chairs elected a new chair. The county is blessed with scores of competent candidates who entered the race. A large majority of the precinct chairs elected Mike Doyle on the first ballot. Chairman Mike Doyle has hit the pavement running. He said that the key to the Harris County Democratic Party's success is to view voter protection, education, and engagement as a year-round activity, not something that we think about only at election time. I couldn't agree more. He has seven points, a seven-point plan that he'll discuss. And you know what? Chairman Mike Doyle sits down in the studio with us today to discuss where he's taken the party. Chairman Doyle, thank you so kindly for being a part of Politics Done Right. Uh, thank you, and thanks for doing this show to get the word out to all the folks in Harris County that care about these issues, whether the observer 
or what we're going to do to build our party in Harris County even stronger, ready for 2024. It's really important. Well, look, thank you for being here. And I, I must say this, being a, a uh, public station, remember the chairman of the Republican Party, you can always come and sit here in, uh, in this room at Politics Done Right as well. But anyway, chairman, um, I, I, the first time I met you, I said, where are you taking the party? So I'm going to do it again. Where are you taking the party? Uh, where we're all headed together is to where, you know, having been a, a, a Democrat, lifelong Democrat and lived in Harris County most of my life and all my professional life, we need to be not just the bellwether but the cornerstone because as was done by the Republicans starting in 92 and 88 and then 94, once they turn Harris County completely red, it, it changed Texas and it changed our country. And we're at the point now where it's it's – we're beyond ready, we're beyond where we need to be, so that Harris County, if we get out 1.1 million voters, Democrats, uh, in 2024, which we're fully capable when we're ready, walking the streets, getting our folks out, what that means is we will never have another elected statewide uh, Texas governor who's a Republican, and we will never have, in my lifetime, a Republican president, just because we're that important here. And it's not something that, that can't or shouldn't be achievable. It's something that we're going to be ready for starting right now. Now, when people hear many talk that manner, they would say things like, that sounds so partisan. But what I, what I like to point out is that values matter. Values matter. And what a party represents matter. What does a Democratic Party in Texas represent that we are not seeing within the Republican Party at this point in time? Well, if you want to talk about the, the Democratic brand, here's, here's what I think it stands for. And, and it's an easy sell. It's an easy sell to really uh, a majority of the folks in the state. Because I think that at the bottom, our values are the values that Texas working families need. And it's, it's, it's important stuff, what I call the bread and butter stuff. You know, I come from a union family. Minimum wage, Medicare for all, actually taking care to make sure that people that work hard can support their families, don't die of cancer because they don't have medical insurance. Those are democratic values. And when you add what I call that we care about people, it's a party of compassion. You know, we're not targeting folks for their sexual sexuality, their gender, their immigration status. We're, we're basically welcoming everybody who's going to work hard, work for their family to be part of this great state. Those are, I truly believe, the values of Texas, and it's just a matter of Texans who embrace those values, and I think the vast majority do, because right now we have a state where the extreme, radical, you know, hate-filled bills, legislation, policies have just been promulgated again and again. And so making sure that folks realize it's doable, because we really are the ones that speak to the values that for the vast majority of Texans, matter, and not just in Harris County. I think it is so important that Democrats are able to articulate, you as a chairman, what these values mean. Because ironically, uh, when one speaks about, if you, if you were to take a party line completely off the, the, the values that you speak about, and you ask every Texan, what is it that they want? What would they like government to do for them? Or what would they like to be participant in government about? You will find that the same issues that you spoke about, the vast majority of Texans, irrespective of party affiliation, that is what they would stand for. I find often 
that it's because we are unable to communicate in that manner as you just did and, and, and that you'll do further is that uh, it, it, it gives people the impression, it allows people to caricature the things that you stand for, your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that, that we've done a poor job of letting the Republicans describe what a liberal is or a Democrat is or a progressive. Uh, I know what I am. I'm, I'm, I'm from a working class family that, that you know, first one family to college. I, I would not be where I was if education was not prioritized, if education was not affordable, if I couldn't get through school and then on to law school without a massive debt burden. Those are things I know were provided by democratic policies. And when you talk about what matters to people who are trying to put their kids through school, to, to avoid what's going to happen, at least we're headed towards, unless we stop it, and we ought to, uh, the privatization of, of schools here in Harris County, which is really the ultimate goal of this TA takeover, uh, that's what people care about. And when they start taking away your schools, when they start taking away your opportunities, that's what matters. And I think that from, from our perspective as a, as, a, as a Democrat, people do agree with that. There's, there's not too many folks that think you really need to just, you know, hate-filled politics and target uh, all kinds of different groups just because they're not exactly like you. That's not our state. That's not our county. That's not what I was raised in. You know, Mike, I think uh, people, your base, uh, one, one should want to know what their chair represents. So I, I probably should have asked you this up front. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you came from? Because I, I think it's, it's amazing that when folks have lived through certain things, it gives them the ability to have that necessary empathy for a for a different type of leadership. Um, okay, yeah, I mean, so, I, I mean, by profession, I'm a trial lawyer, and what that means is I've spent my entire career fighting what I like to call the, the corporate godfathers of the Republican Party, the, 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 the insurance companies, the big polluters, oftentimes military contractors, where I'm standing up for veterans and their families, uh, and, and that's what I've spent my whole career doing. I've, I've spent time uh, on environmental cases, uh, was involved in the very first prosecution in Harris County of corporate executives for environmental crimes. Those are the things that have kind of guided what I've been doing. And, and I've been fortunate and blessed as a trial lawyer uh, to be able to kind of fight, fight the fights that we need to fight and that I want to fight for the right reasons. And my background is, you know, my, when my dad got out of the Army, we settled out in Missouri City. I was raised out there. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get a work-study scholarship to the Jesuit High School here in town. First of my family to go to college, um, went on to law school, which, which I tell people it's, it, it seemed very natural to me, but the reason I ended up being a trial lawyer was because one of my aunts was a, uh, uh, a teacher's aide. And we used to, uh, my mom's actually from, of all places, Mexico, Maine. So, mi madre de Mexico. Oh, de verdad. Uh, verdad. <laughs> okay. Me habla español, pero no es mi madre. But anyway, she's from I Mexico, Maine. Yeah. <laughs> so, we used to go up there, and we would spend, you know, a couple weeks. Not surprisingly, my mom would take uh, my brothers and I and our dog and spend a couple weeks up in Maine, uh, usually in July after uh, sports ended. And my aunt would, would spend a lot of time with us, and we would, you know, having three brothers, we'd get into it. So, she would make us actually do mock trials, and she had a robe she wore. And so at age nine, I knew I wanted to do exactly what I've been blessed to be able to do for the last couple decades and be a trial lawyer. And knowing that what I was able to kind of grow up through, the state I was in where education was affordable, where I could come out of school without massive debt loads. And, and I've seen it, you know, in my law firm, uh, we have lawyers that are coming out with hundreds of thousands right. of dollars of student debt. 
and that just that's so crushing not not just on a financial level but it it takes away a lot of potential opportunities and I could not be where I was and fought the battles I fought without the blessings of folks that you know 50 years ago said that we we can't make education and higher education unaffordable to working families and so that's kind of where I came from and that's kind of what has shaped me to what I am now and, and why I decided to step forward to be chair. I want to go a little bit off subject a little bit because of something you just said uh, with education etc. Um, the Texas legislature is working with a 33 billion dollar surplus. Uh, 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 some monies that could be put into a fund that made sure we could shore up education. We could decide, instead of throwing that money out, we could decide to do something to fix our educational system, a reason that TEA wouldn't have to take over Houston schools, a reason that even though there are many schools around Texas that are worse than Houston aren't being taken over. Uh, how can we, uh, or how can the, the party go, go out there and, and use these types of issues that, uh, let's say, the GOP controls to let folks know that we don't have to buy that austerity message here in, uh, in, in Texas because we are actually well-funded. Well, obviously, I mean, I think that the better message is that we need to be an investment state because, you know, the Texas I grew up with, the Texas that I know we should be, invest in education, invest in its youth, invest in its veterans, uh, and invest in its people. I mean, the, the, the most magical social engineering experiment, so to speak, ever was the GI Bill, where you, you made higher education available to many Americans and turned this country around and built the, the strongest, most powerful economic powerhouse. And now we have a situation where the Republicans in the legislature would rather give a couple hundred bucks to, to you know, property owners rather than turn around and invest it in our underserved, underfunded, starving educational system with teachers still being paid way too little. It makes no sense if you're trying to build something as opposed to just tear something down. It's amazing that um, teachers spend many times more time with uh, students than with our children than parents do. And we would enthrine such responsibility to, tem to them without wanting to pay whatsoever. Now, you've spoken about wanting to um, bring, expand the base, bring more folks into the fold, reaching out to folks. Uh, how do you plan to reach those communities that so far have not come out? I mean, they're there, but they simply don't see value in voting as far as they are concerned. Well, you've hit on kind of one of my, I don't call them principles, because we have a platform, so it really is kind of what the way I think things ought to be, and it's something that, that I've enjoyed and appreciated so much about the Harris County, because it's, it's, it's very different from when I grew up here, but I love the diversity, the many communities, and, and the opportunities include, for example, uh, more directly communicating in the many languages. I mean, we don't have any Hindi or Urdu or Mandarin uh, language programming coming out from the Democratic Party, at least not before the elections, and speaking in all these communities and, and actually investing our time to hear what's important to him, them. So, for example, Gene Wu, who works incredibly hard in the legislature, when the, the Texas Republican legislature decided that if you're born in China, you shouldn't be able to own your home here, uh, you know, that's something where those folks, we've already 
kind of been talking to them, but not directly. And we have their attention now, and we can very easily, by making a little bit of effort to, to find the, the channels of communication, whether it's the, the media that they're, they're consuming online or radio, to make sure they, they remember who stood up for them and who was attacking them. And that's something that we can make sure they understand and take with them into the voting booth next November. Great. Um, folks, you can give us a call at 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. If you have a question for Chairman Mike Doyle, the newly elected chairman of the Harris County Democratic Party, 713-526-5738. With respect to the party and money and what it needs, what, what, how are you going to, uh, right now there is a big disparity in, uh, in, in the way part, the different two parties are funded. Uh, how can you improve? You mean the fat cat Republicans and the working class exactly. Democrats? I, I mean, I don't think that's surprising. Uh, I don't think it needs to be that the party is underfunded because, you know, we've got a supermajority on the commissioner's court. We have uh, countywide so many great elected officials that are doing good work uh, that ought to be and, and have been, but will be more supportive of our efforts. And uh, there are certainly, as, as a trial lawyer, what I recognize, for example, is there's a lot of, of donors here in Harris County who give a whole lot more to support Democratic candidates and causes outside Texas than here. And one easy step, or maybe one long overdue step, is reversing that and making sure folks invest here at home to support the efforts to not just fix Harris County, but fix the state and the country. I mean, there's an easy route here, uh, and we mentioned this before we started, about Pennsylvania's called the cornerstone take because it was kind of right there in the mm -hmm. middle of the 13 colonies and kind of held them together. Harris County is the cornerstone. This is where it all starts. This is where it all changes. This is what was done by Karl Rove with his mm -hmm. candidacy support of Tom Phillips back in uh, 88 when first statewide Republican elected in close to 100 years because of what happened and what they did to the Harris County voting patterns. And that was seen in fruition by 94. Well, we're about there. Mm -hmm. And we just need to make that step. And all of a sudden... Everything in this country, and I, I truthfully believe everything in this world can change. I absolutely agree. I want to uh, welcome Alistair Waters, Bridge MCP, May Wood, Julie Henderson, Lee Grant, para ver quien más está aquí, May Wood, uh, Lee Dawn, thank you for the nice comments, uh, and uh, everybody else, uh, and Paul Fleming from Atlanta, Bruce Pollard here in Montgomery County. Thank you so kindly for being here with Politics Done Right. Let's go ahead to line two. I think that's Colby. Come on in. Line two, Colby. Uh, hi, Berto. Hey, Mike. Hey. Good. good. Um, I uh, just wanted to thank you, Mike, for your hard work. Uh, I got to know you a little bit a couple days ago. Uh, I'm part of the Harris County Leadership Academy. Very good. Well, thank you. That's actually hard work. That's that's a long class, but it's worthwhile, and, uh, and I'm, I'm glad that you were able to join that at the get-go. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. I've been I've been pretty active. I, I worked on the Beto campaign. I helped build the website for the uh, Asian American Leadership Council, and uh, I'm really trying to fight the good fight. And I know we got uh, there's many approaches to this fight. Uh, 
such as uh, voter apathy is something that we need to target. And I feel like um, just knowledge in general, because in my experience from just engaging with one-on-one conversation with conservatives, it's amazing how much they actually agree with me on things, but they're just stuck in their tribal mentality. Well, you know that's a good point, and and I, and I think you know you you I'm sure you saw that when you're working on the on the Beto campaign. I mean that that reawakened in so many voters. Hey, wait a minute! I don't need to reflexively say I'm going to vote Republican. I have a choice here, and it's a really good choice, whether it's Beto or the other Democratic candidates up and down the ballot. And uh, I, I actually have a funny story. I was coming back from the airport, and my Uber driver kind of started by telling me how much he loved Trump. Mm. And you know, I'm used to that. I mean, the reality is, most many of my clients are, are Trumpsters, uh, and uh, uh, I, I I understand in some ways how that happens. But as we're talking, we you know we were talking about what had happened in Nashville, and uh, he was talking about how you know the stupid gun control and all this stuff. And you know, I shared with him, you know, I, I come from that was an army. You know, guns are not something that that. But there's a difference between gun control and gun safety. And did he really, really, really think that it was a good idea that anybody at any time can go and get an AR-15 no matter what? And, you know, after three or four minutes, and he was open to it, he's like, you know, you're right. I think I'm probably closer to you on this than, than you know, I just don't think people should take away all guns. And I'm like, okay, but shouldn't gun safety be as important as gun rights? Uh, and... I'm not saying that you know the guy was transformed, but I, but I do believe that he was open on specific issues that we're right on to listen. Absolutely. Yeah, um, Go ahead, sir. I, uh, I I read a comment the other day that kind of stuck with me, and it was um, basically a Republican would rather vote for somebody who's Republican that they agree with 10% of the time than a Democrat they agree with 90% of the time. That may be true, and I, and I think that's kind of our fault to some degree because we've let them define as, okay, the only issue that a Democrat is is diversity. The only issue is protection of minorities. Those aren't our only issues. Those are a core part of what it means to be a Democrat. But there's so many other issues that, that as Alberto was mentioning, and we all know, voters agree with us. I mean, every poll I've ever seen has at least 70 to 80% of polls who polled saying, you need to raise the minimum wage to be able to support a family when you're working full time. And if that's something that when it, you know, you're voting against that, well, guess what? That's not really you. And so I think we've done a, a poor job and, and we're going to do a better job of making sure that we don't let the Republicans define what it means to be a Democrat and to vote Democrat, because this is our world too. We have so many issues that matter more than the hate-filled issues that they want to focus on. And as long as they keep focusing on hate and we don't do a good job of focusing on what we're doing to grow this community, we're not doing our job. You know, uh, let me tell you something, COVID. One of the reasons I, you know, uh, there's, I spoke to, um, to Mike on the phone, and one of the things that earned, uh, earned the support, I love what he, what, he, what he had to say there, and that is you don't fall into that, that trap that you just look at that other person as your enemy. And if you notice that drive that he had with the Uber drive, driver he tried to find common ground that is a kind of that is kind of what we have to do find especially in a place like texas you find that common ground and believe it when that common ground keeps becoming more common 
you'll be surprised where people end up. Thank you so kindly for calling. Do you have a qu another quick one to say before we go to the next caller, sir? Oh, I'm just uh, looking forward to fighting the good fight and, you know, fighting the hate with love. Thank you very much, Colby. Thank you, Colby. I love That's what exactly you had to on. say. Love what you had to say. Let's go to Barry. Come on in, Barry. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Hello. Yeah, well, for some reason, we can't hear the callers on the phone. I'm so but sorry. I'm sure we're still we're still trying to fix that, sir. You know when uh, yeah, no we'll problem. do that. But go ahead. It's a high honor to speak to the honorable chairman. Thank you, sir. Honored I to have you on the show. Oh, are you sure? Because I represent the party of Lincoln, and we are opposed to the Democrats from head to toe. But we have issues here. I want you to address that quick. Um, how does open borders bring in fentanyl and uh, illegal aliens attacking ranchers? Men gyrating g-strings for drag queen shows in front of kids. Being weak on crime and high taxes benefit Texans. And that, that, that just halfway down the list. But could you, could you address, address those four, please? Sure. I, I could start with the get-go. By the way, it is welcome. I, mean, I think that's what we're talking about. We're not afraid of a dialogue. We're not afraid to talk about the real issues. But okay. if, if the biggest issue in Texas right now is drag shows, we are... No, open borders. Well, no, you started. You told me four, and I'm going to start I with the last one. Open borders, yes. Open borders the first one. I get it, but let's start with the last one, and I'll work my way up. Because if yeah. that's one of the top four issues, then I don't, I truly don't believe, and you know, we all can believe what we want to believe that Abraham Lincoln would believe that's the most important issue that we need to focus on in Texas right now. Men, when women, HIST, men, gyrating, wait, gyrating in, in, in G Barry, teams? Barry, Barry. Remember, I think the chairman allowed you to lay out your entire okay, set well, of questions. Well, Let's let the chairman answer the questions without interruption. Okay. Thank you. The, the, uh, well, the complaint was men gyrating in G-string the drag. That's fine. That's show. that's the same thing. Right, so go let, let's go ahead and let the chairman answer. Right, uh, fair enough. So I'll start with that. I don't believe that's an issue that, that we as a state uh, need to be making the biggest priority. I'll go back, okay. and I'm happy to start with the open borders. I just mm -hmm. Factually, that's not what we have. That's just, that's just not a true statement. We have borders. We have a border patrol. We have laws. We have an immigration process. It needs fixing, but it's needed fixing for decades. That's not a Democrat or Republican issue. And I don't believe, when you look at the facts on the ground, that it would be an accurate or fair statement to say, hey, this is a Democrat problem that Democrats only want open borders. Because I don't okay. know too many Democrats that believe that. The second issue you talked about, and I, I may need to yeah. go ahead. What was the second we issue? Can, we, we, we can crime. We oh, can we crime. Can crime. Yeah. You got people. With okay, we, we get it. We can crime. Okay, that's good. Out on bond. Go okay. ahead, Chairman. Well, I mean, we have a bond system that is based on our Constitution. And I know mm -hmm. that there is an effort, and, and, and our legislature should look at issues related to bonds. But I, I believe that there's no way that anybody in this state should tell a judge you need to violate our Texas Constitution and refuse to give bond. Because if the law requires that you do it, that's what we expect our judge to do. And, and we've seen how bond has been used to oppress all kinds of, of oh, people. Well, it's a reality that, that no, people are staying in jail, and that's, that's a good fix, and that's a, something that has Somebody who Chairman, I want, I, hold on, Barry. I want, to, I want to add something that is – hold on, Barry. I want to add something to the, what the chairman has said, and that is any issue you have with the bonds right now. Texas has been in, under the control of Republican governorship or of government for over two decades right now. What that means is anything on the books, it's on 
their purview. So let's remember that, period. Any, any law that the judge is running by, it's laws created or maintained by these guys. Uh, Anyhow, uh, I, I got to go to the other call, Barry, so wait, thank wait, you. Wait, so. wait, 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 wait. Okay. Yeah, what was the third issue? What, what was it? Go ahead. Let, it, let him go. What's the third issue, sir? What's the third? How denying the poor families the right of vouchers within their kids to private schools? As opposed to being stuck in fading public schools. Okay, great. Amazing how the Democrats are. are no, no, we got it. We got it. Vouchers. Why are vouchers good? Abortion. Okay, that's good. But not for I want schools. to get more people in, Barry. So you make your question. The chairman answers. Go ahead, chairman. Yeah, thank Barry. No, I, I, I mean, and, and full disclosure, I, I benefited from a scholarship to a, a Catholic school in high school, and it was important to my family. But I also had a work study. I think that opportunity has been and always should be available to any families. But that's not yes. what's going on. What we're doing is diverting money from public schools. And I'm, you know, other than that one high school, I, I am a product of public schools, every single school, all the way through graduate school, law school. And when we're using that as an excuse to take away the support of our teachers, to take away our kids, to, to basically put people in a, in, a, in a situation where their kids can't advance, I think, it's, I think that's terrible. They're not something. advancing in public, in public schools now. Okay, let's go ahead. Uh, Barry, I'm going to let you go just because we have to get some more callers in and I want to cover some other things. <laughs> okay. but, but wait, wait, hold on. Don't let Barry go. I want you to realize that this is an open forum always in politics, yeah. right? And we are here for oh, you yeah. to call at any time. Thank you very much. Let's go to Leo. Thank you. Come on in, Leo. How are you today? I'm fine. Uh, did I get your name wrong? Nope, it's perfect. Leo Dawn. Okay, Leo, Leo how you doing, Leo? Dawn is in morning. Good. Good morning, hey, Leo. I just wanted morning. Hi. I just wanted to say that I think people would get much more involved in politics in their community and help change if the economy wasn't so hard that people were so stressed out that they can't get involved in politics. I so agree with you and I'm pretty sure the chairman has something to say about that. Yeah, that's that's Guess where I'm starting from? I mean, you know, things aren't working for people that are working for a living. There's, there's, there's so many things that need to be done and taken care of, and, and we've got a situation where income is not shared. It's not shared. It's not organized in a way that, that working families, working people can live their lives, including fully participate in the political process. You're 100,000% right. Now, Leah, I want to say one thing, Lidon, because I, I, as I was driving into KPFT for the show today, I was listening to uh, Schultz, who is the chair of Starbucks, talk. I love Starbucks. I wrote three of my books at Starbucks. Now, here's a funny thing that he said. He said, you know, the average salary at Starbucks is 17 bucks an hour. That doesn't speak that it, being an average salary means a lot of people make a lot less than $17. But that's not the point. The point that he was trying to make is, look, I give good pay. I give good, um, good benefits, etc. And he's right. He gives benefits and better pay than most other uh, small companies or, you know, companies that do that kind of a work. But then he looked, when, when one of the senators says, you're a billionaire, and, and he, he took offense to that. And the reason he took offense to that, he then said, I, uh, I, don't tell me that I earned that billion dollars. And look, mm. uh, I earned that billion dollars. If you want to say that, that's fine. But let's remember that all of that was done because we all worked hard so that he could right. have that billion. And at least if, instead of saying that, acknowledge that you were able to make the money based on the labor yes. of others. And that, that you know, and I think... And the labor... Go ahead. Shouldn't be un they don't want to seem ungrateful about $17 an hour, but what good is it 
if you still have to choose between rent and food at $17 an hour. Exactly. Exactly. Anything else you want to add yeah, to that? Yeah, you know, it actually, I, I, I no, kind of. That's it. That's probably enough to, to gnaw on for a while. Oh, no, the chair is going to answer no, that. No, I was going to. Here's, here's, you know, part of it that's also being left out when somebody says, look what I earned. I mean, he did it in a system that for the last 30 years has been anti-labor, anti-union. I mean, it's organized in a way that, you know, his workers now are stepping up, but but part of the obstacle and kind of the, the system he's benefited from is where it's been very difficult to organize. And it still is, and it shouldn't be. And when they're firing people for, for joining a union to actually speak up and do what, what labor should do, uh, that's not something that he can say, boy, look what I did. Uh, and that's part of the whole process. And and just because he had a system that benefited that was anti-labor, anti-working people stepping up for their rights doesn't mean he should be able to declare himself the winner of it all. Absolutely. Anything else you want to add, Liam? Oh, yeah. The money, it takes money to make money. If everybody got, um, I know everybody can't doing, but if everybody suddenly had a little bit of money, I think America would be very surprised at how many small businesses would pop up and how many people would be enabled. And that's exactly what they don't. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't want competition. He may have earned that money, but he doesn't want competition. You know, your, your, I mean, your state sentiment is so on, on the money. I mean, I think people have to realize that. But, you know, you have to realize that structurally speaking, uh, you know, they, if you listen to what uh, Jerome Powell said, Jerome Powell said that he wanted to increase unemployment by 1%. That's 2 million people. If you, are, if you have an economic system that is predicated on having high unemployment, that tells you there is a problem. So um, we have to start being a bit more concerned about those uh, the, the people that are around. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to chair in here so that uh, we can get that mes- message out that there are, in fact, people who do care. Chair? And thank you so kindly for calling in. Uh, I just want him to have an, one last statement on this issue, and then we'll move on. Go ahead, Chair. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're living a life that doesn't, that this system can and should be changed to, to support you, support your family, support your dreams. That's, that's the America, that's the Harris County that we need, and we, we fully are capable of voting that in and making it real, and that's... That's what's motivating what I'm doing, and I think everybody else who's stepping up now to, to build up even stronger our Harris County Democratic Party. Thank you very much for calling in, uh, Leo. Thank you so kindly. Chair, let me just say, say this, because I think, you know, when, whenever I hear somebody like Leo and others talk about um, having a little bit more, that is, all, that is what folks are talking about. And w- when I, earlier I mentioned about going into the communities uh, as let's say the de- w- how the Democratic Party is, let's say operating right here in Harris County, a lot of people are are waiting not just at election time for somebody to come in and say, if you are going, these are the po- these are the things that we're going to do re- with respect to your particular community that's going to make life better for you. I think I think too often that has been lacking in actually it's not only the Democratic Party. In the Republican Party as well. The difference is that the Republican Party operates on fear. So they, they make people so fearful that they run to vote. The Democratic Party, to some extent, is uh, diametrically opposed to that sort of campaigning. So, and, and, and the things that they should do, let's say going into the communities, and tell folks, if you elect me, this is how your life would materially change. What are you going to do 
to uh, make that the reality in Harris County and as a bellwether throughout the country. Yeah, Bert, you kind of stepped on or stepped into, so to speak, one of what I think is is kind of the mindset that that as a local party we need to change. And that is we're not just a campaign organization. We're not a single candidate. Uh, we're a, a group of like-minded citizens who need to be engaged talking to the community and listening to the communities about what's important to them and making sure it's reflected not just in our in our advertising but on our reality and so if we're spending time as we're going to be doing spending time block walking organizational work in the next 60 days where you know we're 18 months out if we're doing our job of knowing what issues because we're out there listening the rest will follow at least that's what i see it in other words if we're really engaging with every community in harris county listening to what people need to live their lives better, to, to support their families, to, to get their kids through school and on to college, hopefully, or folk school, whatever works for them, whatever's the best choice. If we're listening and we're, we're using that to build an organization, we're going to do what we need to do. Now, this, this next question is going to be a bit touchy, and then I'm going to come to you, Ray, but this one is going to be a bit touchy, but I think people need to hear this from you. Um, we have to admit that the Democratic Party, as wide as it is, meaning it, it encompasses just about every side of the aisle, if you wish. We have pretty conservative Democrats, pretty moderate Democrats, and we have pretty progressive Democrats. How are you going to uh, bring all these factions together to realize that they need to work on uh, coming together, first of all, working on the issues in a manner that suffices for all of them? And, 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 you know, this is something, you know, it was, it was a short but intense campaign. We had such great candidates for chair that we were fortunate enough to, to raise a lot of these issues. And I think that at the end of the day, the way we do it is what I would call a core value for Mike Doyle, and that is respect. Uh, we don't always, as Democrats, as fellow uh, happy warriors, don't always treat each other as respectfully as we need to be. And as long as going forward, we understand that, you know, these battles, these fights, what we're trying to do are so important, but we can never do it alone. We need to respect and treat each other with, I think I even mentioned this last Sunday, a week ago, you know, with love and compassion. That's, that's what we're going for. Exactly. And if we're treating people respectfully, compassionately, carefully, we'll come together because these issues, what we're doing is just so important. We've got to listen to the voices of absolutely everybody. And, you know, I mean, and that, that is the things that I think, and again, like I said, I think that is something that you've been saying from the, the time that you started uh, your campaign. Uh, let's go ahead and bring Ray into the fold. Ray, how are you doing today, my brother? Hey, what's up, Egberto? I Happy fine, day to you. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I just wanted to speak to the, uh, is it the chair? The, of the chair, chairman of the HCDP, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I just wanted to say um, I appreciate what you're doing. Um, hopefully, you can bring the Democratic Party where we need to be. One of the things I, I was talking to my cousin about uh, in Democratic politics is we need to definitely bring home the fact that a person living trying to live on the current wages is just not going to be cutting it. Like, basically, uh, let me drive the point home. Uh, if you call yourself a good employer, 
then you shouldn't be paying your employees less than three times the rent of the city that you live in. And I feel like legislators should work on that as well. I feel like that should be a, a platform, like making the, the living wage actually match up to the cost of what rent is in the current state of affairs. No, thank you, sir. It, 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 that's, that's why, you know, at the get-go, when we talk about what I call bread-and-butter issues, you're exactly talking about what I am focused like a laser beam on is we haven't raised the minimum wage in decades. Or actually, there was a minor raise, but it's way below. I mean, right now, when it was first passed, you could support a family on the minimum wage, and it actually was calculated exactly what you're talking about, that you should be able to support your family. This is the cost of living. They haven't done that calculation. It's been begrudging. And every single session, there ought to be a bill to raise the minimum wage in Texas so that you can't afford to house and, and clothe and feed your, you and your family. And what you're talking about is something that I know for a fact the Republicans would never agree to a ballot initiative to actually have a, a, a minimum wage raise because they know they would lose and they know it's a winner for us because it matters. Ray? Yeah, and I, I mean, basically, I don't know what the other... I mean, Texas needs to have more ballot initiatives. I agree. You know, bring the d- democracy directly to the people, and they'll most likely make the right decision in that regard. But uh, also, I just wanted to say, you know, basically, hopefully you can help, you know, eliminate the toxic D mentality that a lot of voters have placed in their mind whenever they see a D next to somebody's name, they automatically are turned off and think that that person is trying to do some, you know, all-out giveaway to all these poor, undeserving people that actually are just working-class people that want what we deserve. What you deserve is a Democratic Party that's working on every single issue, including living and being able to support your family. And you're right. I mean, and this is what Bert was talking about. we as Democrats, we too often have let the battle lines be drawn on these, you know, important but but not our only democratic values. And if we stand up and say, look, you know, of course, for folks in trouble, we need to have some backup, some safety net. Of course we should. But we're really about making sure that everybody has the opportunity to live in a productive society where we're all respected and you can take care of your family without worrying about, hey, do I got to choose between paying the full rent or going grocery shopping for my kids? And so when we got somebody like you who's working hard and living as best you can with, with all these obstacles, we ought to be supporting you every step of the way. And that's really where it comes down to the difference, in my view, between what a Democrat truly is and what they're trying to paint us. Thank you so kindly, Ray, for uh, your call. As usual, you always have some insightful thoughts. You have a wonderful rest of your day. Um, you know, yeah. Chair, um, I, I, you know, what Ray said was so important with this regard. For too often, Democrats have allowed themselves to be caricatured, to be out-messaged. When, uh, the mes- Let's give a perfect example here in Texas. Go out throughout Texas in the rural areas where Democrats do not dominate, 
the policies that the rural areas have voted for, whether it be health care, that it's causing their hospitals to close by not accepting the Medicare advantage to the Medicare, uh, the, the Medicare, uh, accepted it, Medicare, what is it, the ACA, the ACA, Obamacare, Obama, you're right, by not accepting it. Uh, it, it's sad that it caused their hospitals to close. We also have this thing about um, vouchers that they're looking for. You know what? Vouchers, even though it doesn't work, if you look at the statistics, the kids educated in schools that, that are voucherized compared to schools that are public, uh, they don't do any better, and too often they do worse. I checked the stats several times over the years. Um, but that hurts the better better one of those schools are in the cities. So what it means is it hurts rural areas as they get defunded from uh, from these these um, monies that go into the system. So there are so many things that we we that Democrats have not articulated in a fashion to those people who think that you have horns. Yeah, well, at least not ones that show. That uh, show, but right. no, but 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 you put your finger on something that you know Harris County is is well, there are parts of Harris County that are kind of rural, but but here's what what Democratic policies across the country have done: they have saved rural hospitals, right. they have supported rural schools, and you know if you go out to a place like Sweetwater, Texas, an hour from Abilene, the school district is almost certainly going to be the biggest employer, and. People there recognize that when you take away, it's not going to be replaced by by a bunch of private schools. It can't, and they recognize that. And and I expect this legislature, like others, vouchers are not going to work because the rural Republicans, whether they say it out loud or not, recognize that that's cutting directly into their public schools. You know what, Chair? I just spoke to a legislature last week, and what they told me is that in order to get support from the rural areas, they're they're doing carve-outs. They're trying. They're it, trying to do It's going to be difficult. In other words, and, and, and I'm certainly, they're capable of all kinds of, of shenanigans, mm -hmm. uh, but the reality is that it's very difficult to not have unex, unexpected consequences. Right. And at least when you're talking about rural areas, that's kind of the, the biggest employer, the biggest part of the community is the school district. And if you mess with that school district, you're messing with the heart of the community because they recognize that. Right. So they might try and work around it, but at least so far, uh, that's what's protected our state against a voucherized system right. or charter schools, even worse, which has done so much damage to New Orleans in Philadelphia and Detroit and left kids just adrift. And that's what's helped us so far, but you're right, they'll try. Yeah, now I, the, the term I was forgetting, it just kind of slipped my mind, was a Medicare... The Medicare extension to the Affordable Care Act, or the Medicare expansion, Medicaid expansion to the Affordable Care Act, which causes the death of over 2,000 Texans a year. How can the pro-life party not have been tagged with actually getting rid, causing the death of two, over 2,000 Texans every well, year? Well, I, I would say at least. I mean, at least. Here's just recently, the Republican legislature in North Carolina became the 40th state to, to, yes. to recognize and embrace the fact that, you know, and they don't call it Obamacare, they don't call it, uh, but they recognize that what? it's not a good idea if you want to have your local hospitals and your folks being taken care of to just turn your backs on it. Chairman of the Harris County Democratic Party, Mike Doyle, thank you so kindly for coming in here at Politics Done Right 
And, you know, I hope to have you here as you move on and as we do more things to talk to our audience on, on what we're doing. Folks, I want you guys to remember, uh, keep coming to listen to the programs. Keep supporting the show at kpft.org. Don't forget to select Politics Done Right as a show that you're putting support for. And, you know, my name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.